really, really loves her. Yeah. Nobody, if a, everybody would like, you know, three, three, you know, three, uh, what is it? Syllable, syllables? No, no, three. Uh, the construct, the construct of a word is made up of syllables. Yeah. Syllables. Okay. Well, you have three syllables. <laughs> I have five. I have like the longest Right. Yeah. No, I, that's, I, that's amazing. I just stumbled upon an old business card of mine from my old job in London. And it, I swear I had the longest email in my company because it was Elisa Vetta. My last name before I got married was Marinova. And the name of the magazine was onofficemagazine.com. So my, my, my email did not fit on one line. So I have a two line email address. Excellent. Now, now you, you speak multiple languages, I take it? Yeah, I speak three fluently. Which ones? Which one are we? Are Bulgarian, we which I was born with, French, which I learned when I moved to Morocco and spent all of my education um, with, and English, which I guess I learned professionally. So here's here's my question then: Do you write differently? Think Wait, differently? We, oh, we're in, we're, we've started that. We started. Yes, we oh, started. Okay, I started right. with you. I started with you, Layton. <laughs> so there we go. So we're. You speak three languages. You write in three languages. I think you've written articles in all three languages. Yes, not in Bulgarian. Oh, yes. okay. So you've written in. I've French. written in two. Yeah, I, I used to write in French. Okay. Yeah. So do you think differently in different languages, and you write differently in different languages? Does it come out creatively differently? And and yeah, this, I've been struggling with this actually because I I think and and write and dream and do everything now in English but I I still have a lot of friends that I speak French with and then I speak Bulgarian with my mom and I'm definitely a different person in all three languages and how so how so Wait, just give us a couple subtleties of what is how does how does how does someone as creative as you to de- you know determine them, themselves their self within a language that's interesting yeah I think I think sense of humor is a big one and if I can't pun, or if I, now you're gonna expect me to pun, I don't pun, but I can pun. Um, but but so if I can't pun, or if I can't get nuanced with certain words, or get jargony talking about my work or the the stuff that I've learned about today, if I can't do that in Bulgarian to tell my mom about the article that I wrote today, or if right. I can't then bring my best friend into this conversation and and talk to her about I don't know vertical farming I don't even know how to say that in French anymore I mean it's just you learn different um different language like different subtleties and terminologies depending on the age that you where the age that you are when you speak a language I feel does that make sense like of course yeah so so, so when you write in French, or you're thinking in French, and when you write in English, you're thinking in English. So, well, if you wrote if you wrote the same article, do you think it would turn out differently? Yes, I think I think it would be a little drier in French. Um, I think the the conversational tone is something that, first of all, English lends itself really well to, and second, I love writing conversationally, whereas the French have a very academic thing about themselves, even the way they write emails and um, essays and articles. And and I was trained, like I studied in French. So the whole French literature, I, I think it, it's a little more formal. So I think I would come across as more formal. 
Interesting. Would not feel like me because I'm not a formal person. You you know, but that you know that pops into my head, and of course, something that's um that's come up: the decolonization of mm-hmm. of writing, of writing, and this idea. You know, that I never thought about. Of course, like you know, we don't in Trinidad. I'm from I'm I'm from my background is I'm ch- children of immigrants from Trinidad, mm-hmm. right? So. The idea of cuisine, we don't have a cuisine, we have peasant food, right? So French academically have discovered every way to prepare sugar, every particular way to, you know, formally academically prepare sugar, yeah. you know, spun and otherwise. And so what, what, what's your, what's your take on that, that, that current topic, you know, and how is it, is this something that you're even considering creatively or are you aware of it? Like in the material now that you're writing with that in the atmosphere. Yeah, I mean, decolonization in particular and design is a big topic. It's something that I'm, I can't, I don't think I've written about, but it's something that's always on my mind, or at least I try to keep on my mind. You know, even even the kinds of words that you choose, like describing something as exotic. Right. To the very Western sort of white attitude uh, and behavior right. and, and approach rather. And, or, or um, what those, those a really big conversation a couple of weeks ago around or months ago, plantation weddings. And, <laughs> oh you know, I mean, why do you call them like, like not like plantation wedding venues or like a wedding at a plantation? Should I go to, to a wedding that, that is described as a wedding at a plantation? And like people, I think these words have become such norm. Right. By now that we almost don't consider their implications. And or, or, I'm probably, or the fact that there's a fact. I was actually asked whether or not should we use the term in an earlier, like an article a year and a half ago. Um, should we use the term plantation shutters? I was being quoted in an editorial piece, and I was like, "Of course you should. That's what they were named." Right. <laughs> That's what they right. were named. Like yeah. I don't want to talk about the breezy thing with the flip flop and the adjustable door, and 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 come up with like a hundred different yeah. ways of describing what is a plantation shutter. But do you have any any words that are big no-nos or that we should really just drop and stop using because of their connotations? You know, it's very interesting that you say that because there is no other word that that kind of creatively describes what a master is, right? Mm-hmm. So like there's a master on a record, there's a master print. Yeah. And then there's a mat, you know, so yeah. there's all these different ways. And then, of course, there's the master bedroom, which in real estate is an absolute no, no, right? It now. is a big no, no. <laughs> right. What are they calling that's it? Are- that's, that's totally. Well, we, right? we had an interesting conversation with, with another guest and I was talking about Layton, who's an amazing designer. And I said, he because he's. One of the few black designers out there i said well i guess later you're a pioneer and that was that i did as a white person i did not know that was a trigger point yeah you know? uh, pioneer yeah i would i would say pioneer is the trigger for me that's kind of like you know being the first and being the only not too dissimilar to women you know i'm the only black person in a room and, and it's and it's because of that that damn, that damn French academic formalization ultimately that's leaked into everything. Like right. I was yeah. supposed to be on the serving side 400 years ago. I wasn't supposed to be on the attendant side. You but know? is it the idea that you're not, what exactly bothers you? Is it that you're not the first that you stand on the shoulders of so many people who have done this before, but maybe haven't gotten the recognition for it? I think, I think, I think, 
I think like all of us, um, and, and I'd love to just turn it back over to you is, um, I, know, I know you're Bulgarian, I know you're a woman, I know you're a woman who speaks three languages. Is that the way you define yourself? Mm. You know what I mean? Right. A Bulgarian woman who's a multilinguist. All of us. But, but yeah. we don't always get to we don't always get to define ourselves sometimes. Well, the world, the world does that thing, which is which is define uh, define other people for us. Yeah. So that we can organize our thinking about how to approach them. But, that yeah. I mean, and you know what? And I'm gonna bring it back to creativity. I mean, I love doing what I do. I love and I love to, I love creativity when I almost feel numb, meaning that I'm doing it and I'm completely unaware that it's happening. Like for you, what about what I'm going to turn it back to you with all of yeah. that stuff that we just talked about. And then you're, how do you feel when you're being creative? Um, I mean, I, this, uh, Okay. <laughs> my first instinct was how I feel when I'm creative is I feel like myself. And I know this is a really vague and, and no, that is a great answer. I love that answer. You know, I mean, it's, it's really, really hard to be in tune with how you feel when you are yourself, because how else, I, I guess you could feel out of touch with, with yourself. You could feel uncomfortable. You could feel pressure when I, I'm thinking, I don't know, when I'm, I don't know, like when I moderate a panel, you know, I, I sort of use the same journalistic skills and arguably the same creativity to weave a conversation and and ask questions, but I'm not myself. I don't have that extra second or two to think about the word that's going to come out, you know, that I'm going to type and maybe delete it if it's not quite right. I don't have this sort of liberty and the freedom that I think my sort of uh um not confident uh major imposter syndrome inner me uh dictates <laughs> so oh i love that so you're so so and 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 both of those things yield different results i know yeah um, i mean ed how do you feel when you're being more i what i heard was um spontaneous intuitive organic versus constructed like when we sit you know during a creative process and how about you yeah i think really i like the answer is i feel most like me hmm. when i'm in the creative mode when i'm well, just walking down the street with a camera when i'm when my day will always get a little better um and sometimes it'll be as i said before on, on podcast you know sometimes it'll turn to magic and you just don't know and you don't predict how it's going to go. But I know yeah. that my creative part is, you know, I'm creating things like what we're doing here is really my dream spot in life. You know, it's where I feel the most me. And uh, thank you for that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to steal that from you, Elizabeth. So, <laughs> steal away. So the, um, and we're going to introduce her. Lane, I'm going to let you do the honors. Yes, we're here with Elizabeth, uh, Elizabeth. Uh, Brandon M. Brandon, and and she is a um, a, Bul like a Bulgarian native and a writer, um, panelist, and um, oral speaker. And I understand that you primarily focus. And I've, I've done what, what little research I have done is we're, we're we're making a podcast that's about truth and transparency. So 
um, I, it seems that your direction in in um, in writing is primarily around design. There are other issues, of course, covered, but um, and, and also with a particular focus on sustainability. That's correct. Yeah. Right? Would that be a, a good summation? I think so. And and you know, when you talk about design, and is how I always describe it. It's a really hard one to describe because it it touches so many different facets of life, and right. it's it. I personally have a very broad understanding of design. So as a result, when I write about design, it also means that I write about agriculture, neuroscience, biology, urbanism, which I guess is sort of more a straightforward definition of design, but technology, AI. I mean, you, I, I don't know one. I don't, I have yet, I'm yet to find a field or sector that does not intersect in one way or another with design. So yeah, it's it's great, it would be impossible. I would yeah. agree with you. I think it's completely impossible. That's yeah. why I'm so, that's why. So it, do you find it, Um, you know, I mean, we generally talk about the creative act, but similar to, to similar to our um, industry, into my industry is in, in design, interior design and architecture. Mm-hmm. We are a service. We were told that there's a story, or maybe you discovered a story. I'm not sure. How do you actually? That's a good question. How do you work? Do you kind of gravitate toward a story, or you're led by, let's say, the, a, a conversation that you know that's been pre-established? Um, are you talking about like coming up? You're going to write about. You're going to you're going to write about the island in Man in, in you know in Manhattan off of the West Side Highway. How does how how did that come to be? That one, I suspect you're referring to Little Island. Yes, yeah. Little Island. Little yeah. Island, yes. I, I think that is one of those really straightforward processes where a building is completed and I write about it. It's almost like you stay in touch with, with what's going on around you and architects love to let you know that they've just completed their <laughs> most stunning new building and that you must come along and check it out and review it glowingly at least right. the hope. Um, and I just come along and, and experience it and and then write about it usually with a, you know, but well, I, I try to take a stance. Um, uh, and we usually don't get into this area. What do you say about Little Island? <laughs> I, you know, I mean, I, all of my friends love Little Island. It's, it's great for what it is. <laughs> exactly. No, uh, we're not going to let you get away with that, Elizabeth. No, you, the minute you stay on this show, you become famous. I, I got to tell you. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't, we don't take that answer. My friends. But, but no, 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 no. Okay. okay. Little Island is a, is a, is a park that is, is a, it's like a wannabe park that is not a park. You can't, you can't sit on the grass or take your dog in. You have to make an appointment to walk in. That might not no longer be the case. Um, it's in a neighborhood that does not need another park. Right. It, they they used tons of concrete drilled into the ocean floor, the river floor, the riverbed. It's uh, pretty. It's sculptural. It's magnificent. But ultimately, it's not really what. Right, like it's your capital. It's not what you should be building. Well, um, yeah. What What's interesting you, about wait, 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 one second? I didn't read. Phil. Did you allude to that in the article? Did you? I think I was a little <clears throat> more than clear. Okay. <laughs> All right. Good. So All right. the 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 thing is that when what makes to me design great architecture, you know, I'm an architectural photographer. What makes it great is when function and beauty intersect. Yeah. You know, 
And Little Island has almost no function. <laughs> you know, as, as, as beautiful as it is, yeah. it always has no function. And when you walk there, it's just created mass of people. I haven't lived down there for 30 years, you know, a few blocks from that. And it was like, oh, you can't sit in the park. You can't really read there. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so it was like after the big build, it was like, oh, you know, yeah. I will probably none of us will probably ever work again. But does it hurt me of Little, little Island? Um, yep. So, you know, so, so uh, with that, you know, and I don't mean to cut you off, Ed, but uh, so Ed and I were geeking out before the show. And so we were we were like, you know, doing we, we were just, you know, shooting the, the, the shit, as they say. And um, we I brought up the fact that I hate the vessel. I can't stand the vessel. And so Ed said, oh, yeah, they're st- <laughs> they're tearing it down or they're going to take it down because too many people are, th- are throwing themselves off of it. Yeah. Yeah. This is a perfect time to have Elizabeth <laughs> tell us. How does a piece of architecture, in your opinion, creatively do that? What, 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 why, why, why is that happening? The suicides? Is that <laughs> the suicides? The fact that it's hideous? I don't know. What, what, what's your, what's your take on it creatively? I mean, the vessel is another. I'm probably should not. I, sh- I probably will never get to talk to. Thomas Heatherwick again because <laughs> both Little Island and the the vessel in it. Oh, did you? Wow. Um, but you know the vessel is another one. I think the problem with both of these pieces of architecture is one that they're not really architecture; they're more like um, sculptures. They're sculptural in their quality, and and they're not really about the personal experience, even though the architects will will tell you that they are because it's about the ascension and walking around the sort of mirrored. Uh, maze and and yes it's cool but um ultimately the vessel serves no purpose it 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 was it was commissioned as a as a to become a landmark you can't you can't commission a landmark you commission something that is useful and becomes a landmark because people love it and meet up there and use it and have an experience memories and post about it you can't engineer that and i think that was one of the original mistakes that were made here and then, you know, you build something tall, people will jump is the really, really sad truth about this. Yeah, wow. Or you advertise it. I, I wrote a story about this um, for Fast Company and I spoke with a psychologist about it. And oh, they were basically saying the, the there's like a phenomenon where people envision themselves doing the act. And when you are giving examples in the news of other people who did that act, took that jump, in this highly um, uh, advertised sort of uh, place, well, all of a sudden in your brain, your brain sort of starts to make the connection and, and you see yourself doing that. And, and you know, there's no amount of buddy system as they were calling it, where you can only go with a friend that will stop you from doing it because if, the only thing that's gonna happen is the friend is gonna get traumatized because he's gonna witness you doing that. And that's exactly what happened. Right, right, right. Why? Well, yeah, I could talk for hours, uh, but I'm gonna stop. Uh, yeah, good. Okay. So hold on a second, lady. So the the um yeah, I, I did some photography for the shed. And yeah. when, it, then when the vessel was going up, they were horrified. 
Really? Yeah, they thought it was like hideous. You know, I, I can't speak totally for the Shannon, make it disavow anything I say, but I know they thought yeah. it was like horrible. Yeah. And um, which leads me to one question. We we've heard of architecture, you've had interesting comments about. Give us something that you really loved in New York City. Um or okay. in the world because you're a global, you know, right? Yeah, no, I have one. It is in New York City. I mean, I, I write a story a day right now, so I have I have loads, but I'm gonna go with the first thing that popped into my mind, and that is Pier 26. So another, I guess, sort of structure on water. But Pier 26 opened probably last summer. And what it does is it really seeks to connect people with nature. So they've mimicked the landscape as it was before. Uh, well, Europeans came in and colonized the place. And so there's little little plaques that explain, you know, this is what it was before. It starts with a sort of sandy thing and then it moves into marshland. And then they built an actual marshland for researchers to be able to come and study biodiversity. And they do little tours for students and kids who can go and step on the little rocks and look at little crabs and puddles. And wow. And, and, and it's architecturally beautiful. It ends in a beautiful um, and a very striking triangular um, platform that juts out and you get to sit there and take in the, the river view and views of New Jersey, which, you know, is New Jersey, but it's still it's still a lovely view. Um, <laughs> but it's a gorgeous You experience. are officially a New Yorker. It did not cost millions of dollars. Maybe it did cost millions of dollars, but they were put to good use. The decking is waterproof. They thought about how the, the pier might flood, you know, and it's a wonderful human experience. Down to earth, it's grounded. It's nothing crazy over the top. No mirrors, no concrete. Well, I think that's what we were talking. I think that's what we were talking about before. When function and beauty exactly. intersect, is when you get real genius. Yep, and I think that's right. And ideally, sustainability too, because right now we cannot afford to not think about how this will impact the environment and how it will or will not uh, fare when the next Ida comes and floods the the riverfront. We we just can't. I I just. Just a what, couple hours ago, I was out with my dog and walked past these gorgeous little squiggly tables that this dude had put out on the sidewalk. And I asked him how he makes them. And he talked about starting with this beautiful piece of wood and then putting paint and veneer and lacquer on it. And they were these really squiggly shapes. And I asked, what do you do with the offcuts? He said, oh, you know, I, not much. I throw them away. Well, stop doing that. <laughs> and then to throw away material and not reuse it, then you should not be making squiggly shapes. That is, is right, my right, personal right, right. opinion. Like you can't make a chandelier out of its uh, its residue. Yeah, you know, or yeah, whatever. yeah. Like, you know what makes me think about that? You know, one of the things that I love, I I um, I bought like the IKEA's knockoff version of the broom chair by by Philip Stark. Uh -huh. I don't know this chair. I and, don't. And know you should it. know this chair. Basically. Philip Stark gathers all this, um, all the shavings in the woodworking, and then compresses it all together, and then makes this chair. Okay, love it. You know, and, and you know, it's a mold. It could be, it could have taken any shape, but it's a Stark shape. You know, sure. And, then, um, and so IKEA made a version of it for like seventy nine dollars a piece, and I own six of those chairs. I love them. I really, I love the idea of of, uh, of making less garbage. Yep. 
I make a lot of garbage, but I like to. I, 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 I try. <laughs> he I try, makes a lot of beautiful stuff too. I make a, yeah, I try to. <laughs> so, no, and I'm not talking about. No, I'm talking about producing garbage. I'm not talking about my work, man. <laughs> <laughs> so here, so you. Uh, what I heard you say was that you're producing a story a day. Mm-hmm. Is that out of practice? Or love or necessity or? Oh, it's out of necessity, Ed. (laughs) (laughs) It's out of necessity. Um, I, my current job just runs on this kind of pattern where each feeding, as I like to call it, the beast. And you have to, the beast being the website, being the magazine, that's an online magazine. And um, it is just how this magazine has worked for years. And so this is the pattern that, that I'm in right now. And it, I'm not going to lie. It's not easy. You know, it, it, it just, it clashes with a lot of things, um, that I am and feel as a writer, including the, well, including perfectionism, because you, you can't, you just can't file something perfect when you work with a daily deadline. Um, and you know, the blank page syndrome that we talked about Ed last week, this is just, you have six hours, actually less because you got to do interviews and reporting and whatever else needs to be done for whatever story that you're working on. And you cannot afford to just stare at a blank page. So you have to act. You have to act. And so the, the only thing that I have found useful these days is to just start with something, just find one paragraph, even if it's in the middle of the story and I don't know it yet, but I'm comfortable talking about this point this this particular aspect of the story so i'll write this paragraph and maybe i'll move things around later and maybe i won't but but i i think ultimately getting over the blank page syndrome is just putting having the confidence to put one word on the page even if you end up deleting it you know you you you've just yeah, one no. thing and it's it's a great practice yeah yeah and and, and what happens after that leads to other ideas or just tell, tell us what happens in your brain when you as, once, I, as I write. Yeah, yeah. I um. So what 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 happens? I will usually structure my stories. I'll come up with sort of usually three main themes, and I'll put the titles just to have it visually on my page, and then I'll slowly start populating, almost like a. What's a good analogy? I guess like a puzzle, um, mm. putting things together and and moving around. I'm I'm trying to be really fluid and really gentle with myself. Mm-hmm. If I don't like something or if I can't come up with the right word, I'll just leave a little little TK. A little is just what we call it. I literally type TK, and then I and I don't know why it's TK. Anyway, <laughs> I was going to ask, but I, I decided not to. Yeah. yeah, I actually don't know. Um, and. I will come back for it later so that I don't come out of my flow. Um, right. You'll hop, you'll skip to a, another bucket of the, or another part of, 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 part of the puzzle. Yeah, pretty much right. until it just looks complete, which, you know, is a really tough call because when does it ever, when is a story ever complete? You could start a story a million different ways, right? you know, and, and the story will be different because you started it in a different way and you've led into it in a different way. So you just have to make peace with whatever choice so, so, you've made. <laughs> so maybe the gift is actually helping you get out of your perfectionism. 
You know, that's a very good point. I guess so, because you have no choice but to put yeah. something out into the world and and be okay with it, accept it, embrace it, I, I yeah. guess. And, and look, I'm not always happy with the work that I put out. And I think maybe that's also a lesson as well. Like you cannot always produce perfect work. Well, right. you, you could strive for that, but you probably won't get paid much because... But, but, but also perfect for who? Well, that's fair. Well, that's, that's, a, fair. Right? that's, a, that's yeah. another thing that we all get trapped up in, trapped in, which is like perfect for who and for what yep. and for when, yep. you know? It could be more relevant in a year and a half, something that you thought was a dud or something that you didn't feel was the greatest, you know? So yeah. that's, that's, always, that's always amazing. Or, or the, the question is how miserable do you actually want to be? <laughs> like yeah. trying to be per- perfect. Yeah, it's, it's exhausting. And it's, it's, and it's, it's miserable. You're right. It's miserable. Yeah. I, it, it was I think, interesting. I, I, think a lot, I think a lot of creatives, you know, for those people that are listening into our, into our, into our show, I think many people will be attracted because they don't know that that's the issue that's getting in the way is they don't want to, they don't want to experience. And I think these are, I think Ed, 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 Ed tends to try to not try. He, he steers me away from negative, but yeah. I, for me, I love to know what's negatively happening to me. Yeah. That, that, that's the way my mind works. So if I know I'm in a perfectionistic mood, that's the only time I go like Layton, yeah. chop, chop, move it. Move well, out the of, reality yeah. of this is the creative practice is not science. Right. There no. is no right or wrong. There is no black or white. So Correct. you have to almost draw the line yourself and you have to make your own judgment and maybe couple it with what you know is right in the in, in whatever industry you're in. Uh, compare yourself, of course, because that's what always happens. And it's yeah. not really healthy, but of course, we all do it, right? And no, uh, totally. That's why I don't look at too much Instagram. But the, <laughs> they, they're all better than I am. But the, you know, two things. One is I, I heard uh, a soap opera actress who it was either like Meg Ryan or like what, or Julianne Moore, doing things quick and fast. And not perfect really helped them later in their career, you know, yeah. because you just had so much practice acting. Right. And and you could access access things. I wish I could remember which one it was, but um, yeah. so I so when I start a project, I don't think about making it perfect because it's definitely gonna be perfect. Now, I'm not a perfectionist. I, I use the word great. Yeah. I don't make it great. And, and then we great, try to, what does great mean to you? I think great means to me, like, what's going to make it satisfying, not only to me, but the people who are looking, but mostly, you know, really to, am I going to be, can I live with these pictures? You know, do I enjoy them? Do I like them? Like, I just did, a, you know, I'm working on 100 portraits of COVID people, you know, people, not people with COVID, but I did them all remotely. Yeah. So doing it remotely, the last thing you can do is make them perfect because you're relying on people to hold the camera for you and in other places that I just said, they're going to make a lot of mistakes. And it was so stressful. Yeah. Because I was seeing every mistake and I was trying to describe the mistake to them. And it's like, don't do that. You're just going to. It's like there's Thailand. In, in Thailand, those elephant paintings. And I, I was a part of that project, so I understand. I was the elephant holding the brush. Right. <laughs> 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 painting, Ed's painting, you know. Yeah, so I think it's a powerful project, though. Very, very good. 
Yeah, it's been, it's been an interesting experience. I'm not sure what's going to happen with it, but doing it was such a new experience for me. Like I always poo-pooed iPhones because we shot it from iPhone to iPhone. Right. And because we're in COVID, I wasn't going to work for the next year or however long it was going to take. And it was like, am I going to be miserable or am I going to be creative? Hmm. Yep. You, you, you made the choice. You, you made. I think life is about choices. Oh, my God. I, I could not agree more. I've been thinking about this a lot lately, and I'm really bad with choices. Um, I think I think a big reason is because I have the privilege to have many choices in front of me. And when I have too many choices, well, which one is the best, you know? And, and it's like you walking into an ice cream store and, and which flavor do you want? You really are trying to be healthy. So you want only one scoop. And then the line is, is, is getting fast and fast and you're going to get to the counter and the ice cream dude is going to ask you what you want and you, and you have to make your decision. But in life, you don't always have that, that counter deadline. You don't, you don't get, where do you, when do you get to the counter? When do you? Well, you know, that's a good point. You know, what's making me, what that makes, makes me think about is like every time I, like if I've gone traveling and someone is like rushing me around, I, I, I either have, there's two different traveling buddies. There's the one that you can travel with who totally gets how to travel yep. my way, and <laughs> which is I get up when I want, I do as much of the city or wherever we at as much as I'd like, and not a second or an hour less or more. And then there's the person who's got like an itinerary, and already I can feel my heart starting to like elevate its beat, which is like I'm on vacation, I cannot do that. So. Um, yeah, I get that line, I would not on, the line on the ice cream shot. I get the line on the ice cream. Uh, I really get that. That's a good, it's a good uh, visual. And all I kept on thinking to myself is take cookies and cream. Just take it. Just just, just leave the line. Just take cookies and cream. <laughs> but you, know? you don't, do you? Because you want something more exciting. You want something different. You want something you I will go with a name. I will go with a name, with like, like some ridiculous name. Like when the first time I went to, that I had salted caramel was out in mm. Provincetown. I was like, what the hell is this? Why would you eat that? You're right. So I had to try it. Yep. Well, yeah. <laughs> I might be different in the travel department. I go to a restaurant and I want to know if they have a hot fudge. So it doesn't matter if it's the fanciest restaurant. <laughs> you have ice cream and some syrup, but I'm good. Do you, oh, get, no. you get frowned upon for us? Oh, my God. <laughs> I, I feel like I'm going to get thrown out of restaurants. I feel like I'm going to get divorced at that moment. <laughs> <laughs> the, the other day, just the other day, I ordered from, the, um, from a, one of my favorite sushi restaurants, um, green tea tiramisu. That's now, funny. it was really good because I love the bitterness of green tea. And yeah. it was really kind of interesting. And which brings us to another question as part of this conversation I have for you. What brings you complete bliss? Like when you talk about, right, like we, you, you know, you've made the decision about being a journalist. And I know, you know, your, your CV reads a certain way. Mm -hmm. What like... Well, maybe it's two different things. What brings you complete bliss and what complete, like, it doesn't even feel like work when you're writing about it. Oh, um, what doesn't feel like work, I'll start with the second one, is when I write personal essays. Mm. And, and I think, you know, there's an element of ease here, even though it's really not easy to write personal essays, but you, you write about what you know and you write about 
yourself and your surroundings and your family possibly, but but you 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 rely on your own knowledge because who knows you better than yourself? Maybe my mom actually no, no, I know myself better than my mom. Yeah. <laughs> I think I know myself better than my husband. So it's um it's a, a place of comfort and it stems from curiosity, which I have a lot and I find it really Actually, maybe that's blissful too. I don't know. I morning page every day. I don't know if you guys. Oh yeah. Oh, did you did you do the did you do Julia Cameron's Artist Way? Is that how you learned about the morning page? No. Oh, maybe. Oh. I don't. I feel like it's something I've wanted to do for years. So I no, I've no idea where or when I picked it up. Right. Um, but it's it's a. It, I just love sitting out on my balcony and like seven at seven a.m. and just writing almost stream of consciousness, just like not really thinking. And then this is where you free yourself from the deadlines and the structures and the quotes and the, you know, the sort of more journalist, journalistic practice, which can be creative, but. but. And, and, that's the inter- and that's an interesting thing is that artists who, you know, work not only for themselves, but commercially, you know, you have to sell your work. The ones who don't put them, you could put, not put yourself on a timeline and let that, it'll go forever. Yeah. And you'll never finish. Yeah. And so I'm a big, I am big on timelines for artists who are, are writing their own prose and their own essays and their own book. And which begs me to ask the next question. Is there a book inside of you? <laughs> I feel like every writer has a book. Um, so, that was an easy question. That was a, so, a toss yes, up. yes, there is. Um, and I think un- until I set a, timeline for myself or a deadline that book will never come out um but I've been working on on something for maybe two years now and I came up with the idea of well on lockdown in 2020 and I just became really interested in the attic in my childhood home which is a 50 year old attic so think about the amount of stuff and clutter that has accumulated in that place and it's all dusty and old and half the people in my family don't know what it whose it is or what it is um and I find that fascinating because oh I thought it was very interesting you said addict and I thought you said addict oh no 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 <laughs> okay well, let's be <laughs> addict as in spatial addict yes okay. as yeah, in the space the top of, of top of house attic. The top, okay. yeah the space at the top of your house yeah. um and so I, I've embarked on this well, I haven't really embarked. I've been thinking about embarking on this sort of family memoir journey where I write about my family, but through the lens of the attic. So looking at different objects and what they say about different members of my family and about myself. And most of that attic was populated during communistic years. So I was born in 1990, which is literally right around when communism fell in Bulgaria. But so that means that the house had 30 years worth of you know, stuff and clutter acquired during the communistic years, which were very tough years in in Bulgaria. And it meant that when the shelves were empty and then you heard from your family friend that one set of duvet sheets were being, was being sold at the other part of town, whether or not you needed duvet sheets or not, you would go and you would buy them because you don't know the next time when- Duvet sheets would be available. Right, right. It, wow. I think my grandparents developed this sort of hoarding habit and that is why the attic is what it is today. And it fascinates me. So is this going to be a piece of fiction or nonfiction or a little bit of both? Or? I think nonfiction as much as I can, as much as I can 
provide like it all depends on the information that I will gather. I, I, I'm really happy that I thought of it when I thought of it because my grandma was still alive. And so I got to interview nice. her and sort of do very informal chats and talk about, Hey, grandma, I found this really this huge chest with yarn in it. What's up with that? And she would go on these really long stories, how when they lived in Tunisia, she bought it at the market and how she stocked it up, but she didn't know when she was going to get yarn again. And I, um, yeah, I, I think it'll be as as non-fictional as possible. And then I think you fill in the gaps, you know, which I suppose becomes fiction, but probably still counts as non-fiction. <laughs> I, I don't want to get too sidetracked because so if you're going to put a deadline, on, a timeline on it, when is it going to be done by? Oh, don't ask me that. <laughs> well, uh, you well, know. Well, you can make up one and then you can just like work around it. Yeah, no, you're right. And I need to, I think, I think I've been gathering information, you know, for two years now, and I'm absolutely facing the blank page syndrome, because where do you start with a project like this? And I don't know. I mean, realistically, you need large chunks of time, which who has without a deadline. uh, Next year? Okay. Did you find did you find the time in I found um locked lockdown, which which I had a hard time actually using the term, was the most creative time of my of my adult. Really? Yeah, absolutely. What yeah. what did you do? Ooh, well, I'm 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 blessed to be the uh one of the founding men, members of Black Artists and Designers Guild, mm-hmm. otherwise known as Badge, mm-hmm. um B-A-D-G, And um we did the Obsidian um expansive living for black family virtual concept house during that time. So, and which has now been, um, I don't know if I share this with you, um, Ed, has been inducted into the metaverse by Metropolis Magazine. Oh, wow. I am now contributing to the metaverse. I don't even know where that is. But <laughs> it does not exist, <laughs> I'm afraid to say. <laughs> Other than in our minds. Other than in um, our minds. Yeah. So um, so that's so it really and it was it was almost is what like Ed, as much as I'm kind of like my rebellion, my rebellious side is rubbing up against Ed, like, why is he asking about dates? You know, but the fact is, is that it was a deadline. And we had yeah. produ- we had production time, and it had to be delivered on a certain time. And yeah. and um, and for that, in that reason, for that reason, it turned like these big conceptual ideas turn into a series of actions that had to be to yeah. like we talked about. We have to act despite whatever uh, perfectionistic uh, uh, tendencies we might each have. Yeah, and 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 without a deadline, it'll go. It'll just go. On. Listen, we all go to work and. Our clients say there's a deadline, and this is an impersonal kind of thing. You know, I mean, we get along with our clients and sometimes we're close, but it's not about what we're doing for ourselves. And then we get to ourselves and say, "Oh, no deadline." Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, no. You know, is it what again? You know, sometimes these things just spark in my head. So <laughs> give, give me a give me a some uh, room. But I just think about the the Sagrada Familia. I actually got bored by that deadline. I was like, no, this should be done. What you know, deadline? When I was in Barcelona <laughs> in the, the Sagrada Familia. I was there like, is no <laughs> deadline. This thing is <laughs> this done. is what Ed is talking about. When there is no deadline, yeah. you have a building that's been built for several hundreds of years. It feels like you know, you know. So. um 
Well, I, I don't suggest beating yourself up if you don't hit the deadline, but it gets you into how committed are you actually to getting this done in this time? Yep. So uh, like, I don't say, oh, I'm a bad person. I didn't get it done. No, I say, hey, do I want to double down or is this uh, that important? Well, or what know, do I need to do next? Well, maybe Elizabeth can talk about this a little bit because you talked, you, you, you stepped on like, you know, you thought design is neuroscience, design, you know, mm -hmm. you can find design and all these other, in these places. I guess I'm interested in um, what if things, you know, now I'm just conceptually thinking, what if the, let's say the technology, like you've designed a cure for a particular illness or something and the technology doesn't exist. And so you're actually fantasizing about the technology that exists to actually complete the project. Do, what do you, what do you, what's your take on that? I, I, I think we have a tendency to get really bogged down in so we approach work and life i shouldn't generalize i approach work and life in very different ways and i will bend over backwards to meet a deadline i will make to-do lists religiously every single day and tick them off and get that little shot of dose of dopamine or whatever adrenaline or whatever when right. they get off and get it done <laughs> so i'm very committed and very organized and very self-disciplined when it comes to things that that people rely on me for and things that i have a responsibility towards but then when it comes to my life and staying in touch with friends in particularly in particular and, and writing that book for myself which is i think how it starts i don't have nowhere near the same amount of commitment Mm. And I think that is really, uh, how do you, how do you deal with that? Right. I mean, why, why don't I make the same time for myself and to do the things that I love and that matter to me and connect with my friends and call my mom? Why don't I to make a to-do list reminding me to catch up with my friends? It sounds very scientific <laughs> and, and kind of uncomfortable, but a friend of mine does this and I've, I've recently taken it up because, you know, it shows that I'm committed and like, I That's want. Brilliant. That's brilliant. That's really, me. really safe. Uh, can, can I make another suggestion that it, what Please. it might be? Yes, no, maybe? Please. Okay. Yeah. I think sometimes creatives don't do their dream project because it's like, if it doesn't work, what then? You know? Yeah. It's like, oh, what if this doesn't work out? Now I'm a failure. But that's not how that works, really. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I think. I think realistically, though, it, I, it with writing in particular, I think it's helpful to keep things really diverse and varied. And, and if I, you know, I mean, the reality of it is I'm, yes, what if it doesn't work? What if I write this memoir and nobody cares about it? Nobody reads it, nobody buys it. What if it doesn't even get published? Of course, those thoughts go, go through my mind. But all, the other thoughts are, well, if I write this book and I ditch everything else, I can't pay the bills or, right. you know, I mean, it, it's a, it's a balance that I have not found a way to strike just yet. And I, I hear you. I think this plan A plan B um, scenario is really 
powerful to get you started and give you maybe that boost of confidence, but then you have to find a way to work within your life constraints. Right. I think well, I think, I think the answer yeah. might be how do you get rid of plan B? <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I think also, I think you're, you, you, you hit it on the head early on in the conversation about how, how important it is for self-care for, yeah. for the creative, you know, yeah. um, that getting up at seven o'clock in the morning, that's like a, that's like a hug to your creative self to, to write for, I don't know how long you write, but I remember that practice of um, morning pages really getting the demons dumped out because yeah. you, in the, in the, in the, in the, in the um, stream of thought in the stream of consciousness, it, you let go of a lot of, of shadow yep. and darkness, Absolutely. you know? And you don't reread. That is the key. Do not ever. Oh, interesting. I sometimes have re- re- reread some parts. Yeah. Well, I think I think that this is going to be a treasure trove for when I actually get into the thick of my book and when I want to go back to how I felt in, during X year and the sort of little tidbits of, <laughs> uh, you know, dramatic thoughts that I had then. But until then, I'm not. I'm not. I'm just using it as a dump, like a repository. <laughs> I, I, did you notice? I noticed this with myself in writing, and I think this is a really great thing for those who may be listening. I have about seven different penmanships that happen to me. I cannot stay doing laden. All of a sudden, my emotionality will turn me from cursive to like architecturally writing something and I will be all over. It'll be at least four different patterns. Oh, I would love to see that. Oh. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's like, like you know, um, yeah. I don't know if a psychologist would like to see it. Or oh, I think they would have a field day. But, 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 I, but I cannot, when I start off, the way I finish is totally different. Wow. Yeah. Hey, Elizabeth, what... You're a journalist, right? Mm-hmm. So what's the question you have for Layton? Let's put him on the spot here. Huh. Well, I mean, now I, I have to ask what's up with those handwriting styles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's an inner struggle. We'll take that one off, off the podcast, you know what I mean? When you have a lot of time. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, that's the, I mean, you know, I, I, if, if that's the a question I can answer, but, but let me, but, but seriously, whatever you want to ask. Yeah, no, you were talking about, um, decolonizing design. Oh. You were talking about decolonizing, actually, you didn't say design. So I, I, I wanted to ask what are some, like what fields or what sort of areas really matter to you and that need to be decolonized or that we're not maybe talking enough about? Um, I think you hit it on the head earlier on. I think it's when you said the the plantation weddings. I thought mm-hmm. um, language, which is something we think of, I think many people think of as the result of like the obvious, like, oh, there's a house sitting there. And so we're going to write about that house and we're going to state, well, that's actually not true. It's a pat, it's an active act to write about the thing that you're describing or to even to write a, a, a party about the, a house you want to design mm-hmm. or live. So I think for me, as a practitioner in design and architecture, I am aware of that I'm also a part of colonization. Yeah. I've accepted that in my bones, that as a result of colonization, I'm actually sitting here, right? West Africa, Caribbean, you know, immigration, 1967, I'm here. Yeah. So that, that is a, I'm a result of colonization. 
at the same time, I see the ways in which I compare myself to to um, and, and I compare myself to people. The, the 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 legacy of colonization also has to do with the legacy of wealth transfer, you know, and, and acquisition of of wealth and 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 a kind of a building on those people who created it. Yeah. So I feel disconnected from that part of it because um, you know, I don't know what it what it means to. You know, the, you know, it's interesting. It's like one of the things that flashes in my head, and, I'm, and I know I can't, I'm not answering this question very well. I think about table setting. I think okay. of how, like, the French and the English table setting, and how, how, the, how, the, how, and how the and how people eat, and how that has been constructed in Western society as the way to eat food. It saddens me to think that some people honestly do think that by taking your fingers and pushing it into fufu and then dipping it collectively into another stew and then shoving it into your mouth and then licking your hands is savage or have, you know, that, that's the kind of stuff where I, I really want to very ideally live in a place where all of, this, all of the confetti of that make up the world is the world. Yeah. We actually all have respect for you know, Louis Couture's and, you know, Mali 600, 600, you know, AD. You know what I mean? Like it all can coexist beautifully. Yep. But I think it's colonization for me. Ultimately, I, can, I guess I'm getting to my answer is that it creates hierarchy. This thing is more important and has more refinement than that thing. Yep. And abolish the hierarchy. Abolish the hierarchy. You see, right that's now. why you're the writer. That's why you're the writer. I, I took me 20 minutes to answer. It, it's abolish so, the hierarchy. You know, this is what's so interesting. In, in the 80s, there was a time where being a creative was like being on the, the close to the top of the food chain, you know? Like people really respected and valued artists. I think it'll, you know, those things had cycled, but now it's just like, Muddy is like the yeah is the essence of hierarchy these days. It's and, too interesting to think about. Okay, yeah, right. Yeah, so that, I mean, well, you, that, it's it's really quite yeah. quite, quite um, startling and, and sad. What do you th- what do you what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I I think money uh, sadly drives everything, and and I <laughs> I recently talked with a a designer called Bruce Mao who wrote a book about how do I make this short about the Renaissance and what that that was the last time where art science and technology converged and were and became one and then what started to drive them apart in 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 part one part of that was money because capital started to be um poured into um, science, I believe for military purposes, and then science Mm -hmm. separated from art and art was not getting enough uh, resources and funding. And one thing led to another and then, you know, trickled down anyway. But so sadly, I think that's still the case. I think money drives a lot of things that we make. Money is at the root of projects. How, How, I don't know how much 
ROI are you going to get from that thing? Or why would you do this if you're not going to get money in return? Or, <laughs> right. Or what are you buying in the right neighborhood so you can flip it? Uh, and burn? Uh, uh, I have two projects going that don't involve money. Yes. And, and I mean, I do hope to monetize them, but I'm doing the projects first. Yeah. And honestly, maybe, maybe that's a good lesson. Maybe that's a good advice. If, if you can afford to, to, or maybe even if you can't, I don't know, again, you know, I, I don't, I don't want to impose. Yeah. It's a personal choice. Yeah. I mean, I know, yeah. I mean, I know a lot of people have done it that way and I know a lot of people have done it, gotten, taken on commercial clients and go the other way. I, I don't I have any judgment about it. Sure. Just, sure but, 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 but if we're speaking creatively about, the process and we're in conversation. I think one of the things that I, I think it could, it actually takes no money, you know, to be to creative, be, to be creative. Yeah. Absolutely. Zero dollars. Yep. Yep. You know, ideas are completely, whether you believe in a higher power, God, you know, your practice, your intellect, whatever it is, your brain, it's free. Yep. Yeah. And, and, and sometimes you can, run with it and just live that life. I mean, look at comedians, performers. Mm -hmm. They just start with an idea and then they bring it to the stage and they, and they fail or they sometimes make a lot of money doing it, which, you know, leads them to live a more active, creative life. Even I, I think that that is this kind of approach and, and um, well, approach to life needs to come from a place of trust in yourself yes which a lot of creatives don't have me included myself included i, well, I think you have yeah. to trust yourself and have the confidence to put yourself out there and trust that what you're doing matters for one right. is relevant is, is relevant. relevant yeah it's not yet another um wasteful you then you start questioning you know who is this for am i the right person to be doing this yada 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 and there's a lot of a lot of questions that that well i think it goes toward the the mental state of surviving versus a lot of creatives are really happy just to be there in the game oh my god i'm surviving i'm actually doing what i want to do and they don't take into account that they could be thriving doing this so keeping it and thrive in survival is almost a better option because thinking about doing it the other way may lead to a, a great train wreck. But yeah. keeping it as just survival is a different kind of train wreck, but I guess it's bearable. Mm. No, it isn't. <laughs> right? I, I agree. I don't think it is. No, it isn't. Survival is painful. Survival is painful. Right, there's, no, painful. there's no, there's no like, is eight ounces of water a day enough? Is a half a glass? What, what exactly are we talking about? There's so many, <laughs> there's so many things, you know, so many, you know, ticks on the spectrum of survival. Um, yeah. I tend to do it when I'm in the survival on the very lowest end. So that's, that's, it's no good for me. I need to definitely have a thriving mindset. How, how about you? Elizabeth? Well, I mean, uh, are we talking about surviving, you know, sort of barely just? <laughs> no, 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 no. We're, we're talking about, we're talking about you're doing, you know, you're doing pretty well. You have, you have a yeah. lot of options. You're, you're at the top of your game. 
in yep. what you do. Yep. And, and, and you probably give advice to other writers. But what I'm hearing is the one thing you're saying is I'm having trouble with my own project. So you're not just, you're thriving in one area. Yeah. And, yeah. and you, what you said was, you know, the other area, when will I get to it? Am I any different? No, it took me to like mm -hmm. 60 to get there to yeah. really. Yeah. I, I mean, <laughs> so, so what are you asking me? What is it going to take for me to do my to to thrive in my personal projects? Yeah, why not? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, we, this is a semi-coaching session. It's turned into a semi-coaching session. That's okay. Why, let's hear the answer. Um, I think maybe I'll, I'll go back to my blank page syndrome, personal advice and apply it to myself and just start, you know, maybe just write one scene or write one description maybe start by describing my attic how about that you know maybe just oh that's i love that yeah that's I, a good I, idea <laughs> i was actually wondering what the attic looked like well there you go maybe i'll describe it and send you a note <laughs> yeah, i would love and, that and, you know one of the things that i was thinking about was um how personable you are on video do you do you look, you know, I, and it's something I don't do. And I've heard about this mirror work, you know, mirror work slash video work or whatever. Oh, I've never done that. Well, yeah. Mirror work is when you stand in the mirror and you talk to yourself. <laughs> I don't know why right. to do that, but I, I know it's good. Um, but the thing that I thought about is like, I wonder if, if uh, you know, what came up when I was thinking about it just as a creative exercise as a teacher I was thinking if Elizabeth videotaped herself describing the spaces and then just transcribed them. That's an interesting He teaches that too. Like I teach at a couple of different schools. So I, I, I'm always trying to get yeah. people out of there, what they think is their, I don't actually think there's a white, a blank white page actually. I no, think, and what, our, what our podcast hopefully is about is not putting you on the spot like we just did, but really talking about creativity and how to get over the, some of the humps. And um, sorry, we went out a little out of the off the lines there. Um, the so my so we're sort of winding down here. And no, 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 I have no. I know. No, I actually oh, have. I have. Wait a second. Wait a second. Wait a minute. I have, a, 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 minute. I have, wait, I have a question. I have a question. No, I'm. I'm. I'm I, you know, sometimes you just get a, 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 kin, a, a kinship, and I feel with. I feel it with Elizabeth. So I've got to ask her. Ask. Are you a sci? Are you a sci-fi fan at all? I am a sci-fi fan to the extent that I enjoy watching movies, but not reading the books. I don't can't explain it, but okay, maybe. Right. So again, geeking out, we were just uh -huh. talking, shooting the shit again, and I decided, and I told Ed which Jedi master he was in 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 the Star Wars, you know, whatever it is, not a trilogy anymore, the world, the Star Wars. Yeah. What character in any Star Wars film that you've seen? Who are you? You're gonna fall off your chair. 
<laughs> You've thought about this, haven't you? No, I've not because I've not seen any Star Wars. There, see, I told you. You know what? Ed said she has not watched Star Wars. That was my prediction. I was belit- I was absolutely adamant about asking you this question. So yeah, okay, that, so now we the Star Wars world. No, no, no. This is not conditional on Star Wars. You're not on Philip yet. Which science fiction? Or fantasy or anything like you, you know, those stories of Malisandra, the witch and the, 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 you know, whatever. What, who, who, who are you? Why does it have to be a science fiction person? There you it go. It doesn't have to be a science fiction. I'll, we'll change all the rules of, for, for, for you, Elizabeth. It doesn't have, the reason is just they kind of like they had powers. The reason I was saying I was I was thinking about it because they had powers beyond what we understand. Right. So my question is really no, no, what no, 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 don't no Ed, let, <laughs> let, let Elizabeth answer my question, please. Thank you. You know, um, there's a wonderful book by Tara Westover called Educated. Okay. Complete 180 from science science fiction. Okay. It's a memoir and it's a okay. gorgeous memoir about this person who left her homeschooling sort of education and her, I will not do this justice. She was raised in the mountains with very religious parents and a particular kind of religion that I forget. Anyway, and so she she makes this move, really bold move to leave her family behind who does not align with her principles and, and her ambitions to learn and goes and gets a education, however many degrees she gets. And Reading that book, I don't know, to answer your question, do I want to be her? Um, am I her in the sense that I am not really bound by place and family and I just went out and searched for, Still, I'm, I'm still searching for my purpose or my, <laughs> I don't know. I, I, yeah, I'm not really answering your question, but I, I got no, nothing else. You are actually, you are. You, you <laughs> told me that you're an adventurer. Uh, I'll ask it in a simpler way. What yeah. is your superpower? Okay. What is my superpower or what would my superpower be? Well, either one, whatever way you want to answer. Both. Well, I would love the superpower of teleporting. Ooh. Because I've made friends all over the world and my mom is in Bulgaria, my Friends oh. were in London and Europe and whatever. So pop I would here. You should pop right here, right next to me right now. That would be amazing. <laughs> Wouldn't that be great? That, that would be awesome. This yeah, that, okay. that would be awesome. Um, what is your superpower? What is my superpower? That's a that that's a good question. Um I don't know. Is empathy a superpower? I feel yeah, like, oh, like that's like a way high on up on the list. <laughs> that's that's like way, way high. Look, it's it's so high I've gone out of the screen. It's, 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 that's a big, big I, I would put kindness and then empathy. Those are like one and two are empathy and kindness, you know? Well, you know, I'm also kind. No, I'm joking. I, I it, yeah, I think I think empathy is a really tough one. It's 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 hard to learn how to have empathy and yeah. I don't know that I how or whether I learned it or what I'm born with. Humility is another one, but mm. that's that should be a superpower. It's kind of an underrated superpower. A hundred percent. And I yeah. think we have to we have we have to have um, cohorts of friends and, and people that, yeah. that that are that surround us that that understand those empathy, kindness, joy, compassion yeah. are superpowers. And I think 
I think our listeners would really love to hear that because I think they're expecting to hear bolts of lightning strike my body and then I create this amazing writing, but that's not what happens. So we're going to wind down here and I just want to know if you have any final comments or any suggestions to writers who are coming up. I think two things. Um, one, I, I, when I was starting out, I would reach out to a lot of people, um, cold, cold pitches, cold sort of LinkedIn <laughs> messages. Hey, I love what you're doing. Would love to grab a coffee and to get to know you or, or, or figure out how you did what you did or, you know, just reaching out for help or because you're interested in someone and, and want to talk. I think every kind of conversation, this particular one included, is incredibly rewarding um, for writers in particular, because you can't write in a vacuum. Right. Um, and the other one is just if, if you think you have a story and you don't have the confidence for it or you feel like maybe it's too early or you need to work on it more or whatever, or, or this editor is just not going to be interested because who are you? Nobody knows you pitch it anyway. Yeah. Because you just never know. I, I think last or two years ago or last year, I had this idea that I thought was a cool idea. And I told my husband, I'm going to pitch the Atlantic. And he was like, mm, okay, bold, but, but you know, I think he believed in me. And then let's, let's say that. I think, I think he believes in me. Anyway, I believed in myself enough to pitch the Atlantic. And by some sort of miracle, the editor was interested in the same thing I was interested in. And four months later, the story got published. Wow. And like, you know, I was so close to just not trusting myself enough to send well, that email. Well, I was just on a podcast recently where I was interviewed. And I said the most important thing for creatives is take your nose. Just... Get no, 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 no. How do you get to yes until you get through? You know, to learn from yeah. it each no. Yeah, and, one, two. And, you know, the... So don't say yes to everything you're saying? Is that what you're saying? Well, don't, well, say yes to the things you want to do or say yes at the beginning of your career to a lot of things, but you got to get through your no's. Yep. You almost got to get no's. yes will lead to no's. <laughs> say, well, no. You're I'm, going about, I'm going the other way around. Okay. Get your nose from people who you're pitching. You're going to get a oh, lot of nose. Yes. You know, so just get through those notes. Like, um, I mean, just a really quick story is that years ago, I pitched the the marathon for to do architects. They need architects. You guys need architectural pictures, you know. And, and they said, yeah, what's your idea? So some years they would hi, I gave Moe's gave my ideas. And some years they liked the idea, some they didn't. The years they liked it, we were, we were going for it. Mm. And um, but one year I was on top of the Verrazano Bridge. Now that ended up being the 50th anniversary cover yeah. for the marathon. Awesome. And that's me, they went through 50 years of pictures and they picked that one. But that was, I was willing to get a no on from them right did it anyway yeah and then years later became the cover so the point is you never know what's going to happen and just getting to know from hearing it from other people you'll get through that because when i started out i would like 
get a no, and I would end up in bed for about a week before yeah. I started. You know, yeah, it was really you hard. You have a really tough skin, and it's really hard to not take it personally because yeah. your work is 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 your personal life. Yeah. Exactly. Usually, as a- but you it's got to separate the emotion from it a bit, I think. You know, and otherwise it's a disaster. And that was a disaster for me for a long time. Yeah. So, Elisabetta, Elisabetta, <laughs> the uh, I got the. Give us your info. Where do we need to, what do we need to see? Where can we read about you? What's your website? Give us all of it. All of it. Okay. So you can find me on all the socials minus TikTok. I have not, I have not made that leap yet, but I'm at Elisa Vera M. So one word. Um, you spell that? E-L-I-S-S-A-V-E-T-A-M. The little M is the residue from my my last name before I got married, and I'm clinging onto it like dear life. <laughs> um, I write for Fast Company these days, um, so you can type Fast Fast Company and Elisa Vetta, and you will find my author page. And I have a website if people are really fascinated with what I do, <laughs> and it's elisavettammbrandon.com. Excellent. Right. Um, Layden. I am Layden Lewis, uh, com L-E-Y-D-E-N-L-E-W-I-S dot C-O-M. And I'm an interior designer and an interior and architectural designer. You got anything cool coming up? Um, yeah. Any, but any podcast you're on or interviews? <laughs> I'm going to be doing Mad Creative with Ed Letterman. That's, exactly, <laughs> that's, my, that's my latest and my greatest cool thing. And uh, and uh, my website is Ed Letterman Photo E D L E D E R M A N P H O T O dot com and Ed Letterman Coaching dot com for creatives and um, I think uh, thank Do you, you so much. Cool coming up, Ed. What's that? Do you have anything cool coming up? Besides this cool podcast, besides this cool, cool podcast, this is what I'm into. These podcasts is like I'm totally into this right now. Yep. And, uh, and I have a few things that uh, I'm doing. And uh, I just did uh, Pen America uh, like last week for, and I actually shot some of the video on an iPhone. This was like, oh my God. I can't oh boy. <laughs> I, I got a gimbal with it. So yeah, so that was pretty cool. I really love Pen America. And, uh, you know, so uh, here's my pitch to them. I, you know, I loved working for them. You know, and I've shot a bunch of people, done a bunch of portraits for them. So, nice. um, and it goes to who I want to be, you know, helping writers around the world. So, yeah. Um, so that's it. I hope you had a good time. I had an awesome time. Yeah. Cool. I, yeah. The way you guys are doing is really cool. And I thought this was a very sort of flowy, smooth conversation. And yeah, I can't wait to listen to the rest. Yeah, we have a, we have some great co-guests. So um, we thank you very much for your time. Sound editing and theme music by Will Ainsley. Brian Rezepko was basically our mentor who really taught us all the technicals, showed us how to get this online. We would not be here without Brian. So thank you, Brian. The logo is by Layden Lewis and Sharon McLaughlin of Mermaid New York City. And um, if you're creative, we would love to hear from you. We would love to, ha- to email us your story 
And if we like it, we would love to have you on. And we are looking for creatives to tell their story, what their challenges are, what they love about working in the creative field, what is working for them. Um, So until next time, I hope you guys listen. This podcast is for you. Thanks.